0: I believe the usefulness of what they call 10X programmer, 100X, you know, brilliant programmers that write brilliant codes is coming to an end. Why do we call it quantum AI? We will just call it intelligence. There's nothing artificial about it. And uh, the only thing we need to worry about really is what to do with our spare time or if we are obsolete.
1: Welcome to Cozy Cast, the continuous security podcast. In this show, we'll be looking to smooth that gap between security storytellers and DevOps movers and shakers. Sit back, put your tray tables down, recline your seats. Relax, let's get started. Hello, hello, welcome once again to Cozy Cast, the continuous security podcast. I am your host, Steve Jagger. And on this show, I will be speaking to Alvin Chang. No, not the YouTube dance sensation Alvin Chang, but futurist, the 70% man Alvin Chang. Alvin, he's an interesting guy. He lives in the future, reports to the present, drawing a wealth of knowledge from the past. He's an enthusiast in all things artificial intelligence, crypto, and his interests, are just about everything in technology. He says things that range from controversial to innovative, and in a recent conversation it became clear to me that I've got to get him on the podcast. Now the podcast starts off uh, in going in one direction, and if you listen to the clips at the beginning that I, I chose for the introduction, you can probably tell that it goes off in some really interesting directions. So be patient as we as we get into it because this is a fascinating one. So let's get started. Alvin Chang. Alvin, thanks for being on on the the podcast. This came from one of many LinkedIn conversations that we have over the uh, past few months, actually, and where you you kind of said DevOps is dead, maybe not necessarily dead, but and then there was a there was an ongoing conversation about is it? Why do you say that? And then that suddenly prompted that this was a really interesting idea and concept that's in your head and it was worth getting recorded into the podcast is that cool? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. I may I may ask you going forward to have more verbose answers. That would be awesome. Okay. Uh so what what when you first came to me you said DevOps what well, you said DevOps is dead, but before we do that for people who don't know you Alvin, can you can you do the uh two minute intro to yourself
0: all right um i started computing in 1985 and i was doing hacking cracking and freaking in 1995 and then i was doing development then doing devops and doing devsecops now in cloud security
1: Some people are okay with saying where they work or have worked and some people just leave it.
0: I have worked in investment banks. I have worked in publishing. I have worked in business software. I work in fintech in payments. I usually help them to mature their uh, maturity, whether it's in security or in development, then I go. I was on BBC Dragons 10, but that was a long time ago.
1: Okay, that, we can't let that go. <laughs> Why were you on BBC Dragons 10? I didn't know that.
0: Uh, so after Google brainwashed everyone, let's say everyone should be an entrepreneur when they set up the Google campus. Then I started my 18 months of startup track and uh, because of my love for security, I was doing an open-source version of YubiKey, and uh, yeah, it was very interesting, which I learned, for anything, you should market it first, then sell it first, and don't bother prototyping. Uh, Peter Jones did say that he would have invested if it was a few seasons earlier, and uh, Duncan Benetton got pissed off because I asked him to repeat about five times. I mean, I just couldn't. (laughs)
1: I think you might have fans because of that.
0: (laughs) Yes. So my love for open source um, is what um, driving what I do um, at the moment because open source software enables normal people to have the luxury of what expensive software vendor provides. And for the audience that's in the know. They will probably tell you that um, uh, security hardwares are usually, you know, run on open source phoneways. <laughs> Don't you say so, Steve? I would are agree. Are you allowed to say that? Okay. I
1: can say that. I can say whatever I want. Nobody actually listens yeah. to this podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Um, I mean, I can go into details, right? Uh, if you really like. Um, I downloaded my ISP shadow file, started cracking it using John the Reaper in 95 and uh, obviously it didn't end well because um eight character was too strong for 1995 computing
1: power. That that's a good intro to why you were saying DevOps is dead. You were actually alluding to Well, you actually sent me some notes where you were talking about the history of DevOps. You got into the the beginnings yes. of it through crediting Toyota production system popularized by gene cam and the Phoenix project. And I guess what I, where I wanted to start with was what prompted the phrase DevOps is dead.
0: Right. Uh, actually what prompts the phrase DevOps is dead. Stern from my blog posting that talks about DevSecOps is dead, long live DevOps, which I posted last year. And, uh, the bottom line was um that you wouldn't buy a car without seatbelts and airbag nowadays. So when marketing tried to spin up DevOps as a thing, honestly it should be part of DevOps because it should be, right? You wouldn't buy a car without seatbelt nowadays. Absolutely. Uh, and however, after I look it even deeper, and uh, DevOps, what that made me realize uh, was because DevOps tries to turn people or software programmers into machines. And that kind of wouldn't end well uh, because of all the reasons you heard everywhere, context switching and software programming, um, which prompted me to say that. Um, of course, that coupled with a few things such as the emergence of artificial intelligence, which according to McKinsey will replace all human intelligence in 40 years, while if you listen to some other people they will say everything that's done today, in security, infosec by human will be replaced by AI. Now that is not an shall we say emergent problem, because 10 to 40 years is still a long time. However, quantum computing which 20 years ago a lot of people say it will never happen and it has already happened Uh, where a 27 qubit device already ran quantum neural network successfully which means the 10 to 40 years you probably have to divide it by 3 and get it down to 3 to 10 years also because of the advancement of AI I'm sure you heard of uh, something called GPT-3 from OpenAI that can write poems and software. Um, That indicated to me, software developers are more like artists who make drawings or poets who write poems. I totally agree with that. Yes. Also ask yourself, um, how did it always end in the past with um, trying to turn human into machines? Eventually, Well, it doesn't end well, Uh, unless unless you are a detector in North Korea, okay, that's okay (laughs) Okay. to do. That is what made me, you know, make such a prediction. Uh, Maybe I should call myself the 70% guy, which usually I write 70% of the time, um, and I preach common sense.
1: When you're talking about what might happen in the future, and the kind of the reason I wanted you to give a bit of an introduction into yourself before, other than I just generally do that anyway, but I think your if you look at your historian like past mm-hmm. um all the way through the experience that you're bringing to the table into this podcast um gives you the right to make predictions as to what you might see coming in the future, uh which is why you'd be your interesting subject to bring on here you you mentioned just now. GPT-3. Now, I don't know how much you know about it or whether you can elaborate on that because I think a lot of people listening won't know what you mean by that.
0: Okay. Um, There is a little-known entrepreneur from South Africa called Elon Musk. He created a company that does artificial intelligence called OpenAI. And uh, I guess the latest news is if you ask OpenAI to draw you an avocado chair it will draw you an avocado chair that really looks like an avocado chair and uh, the latest I saw uh, just last Sunday was that if you tell it to draw a panda or an elephant it will draw real life looking elephant or panda some of them might be sitting on the chair so GPT-3 is the third iteration of um, OpenAI's product. And uh, as a matter of fact, I believe the Pong and the software was written by GPT-2, while the 3 is the more or the smarter one.
1: <laughs> Beyond the poetry. Yeah, I think I think it was actually you that sent me the photo of the avocado chair because I think I even saw in a similar announcement, it was talking about if you ask it to draw a panda elephant, it will actually draw you a part panda, part elephant, and do, oh, a, yes. do a pretty and do a pretty good job of it.
0: Yes, um, actually, with the researcher, I'm planning to um, set up an activity for primary school kids to see the power of AI. Um, and back to your earlier point, um, yes, I was doing DevOps in 2009 before it was a thing, and I was doing DevSecOps. Along with Steve, uh, when I was in a payment company way back in 2017, when DevSecOps wasn't a thing and container security was barely happening.
1: You, you made a good point earlier when you said that the predictions were, you said, let's say 30 to 40 years, where AI would be reproducing most of the things that humans would do. And then you drew that back simply potentially based on the, uh, the evidence of GPT-3. Uh, that maybe we should start thinking about three to ten, more, that rather than thirty to forty.
0: No, uh, it's because of quantum neural network. It because of quantum computing.
1: And so, and that's because people said, well, people said of not that in in recent history, let's say, that we wouldn't have it, and now we do.
0: Okay, so according to the forty year prediction came from McKinsey, and obviously that came from some time ago when. There is a powerful thing called AI, but not the quantum AI. The quantum AI research has just happened. The paper hasn't been published yet. It is in the academic circle, but I've already seen the presentation and uh, the video, the results.
1: If we can look at the idea that just AI generally, going back to that, uh, can act like a poet, and we are alluding that software developers, part of their... Part of the nuance of their capability is the creativity that they bring when they're writing code. It's not just simply a collection of logic that anybody could throw together. Good software is obviously better than bad software. And the more creative programmers can create and design better things. So are you suggesting that while people thought maybe this is what differentiates the human programmer from the AI, that the AI actually might be able to exhibit that same level of creativity.
0: I believe the usefulness of what they call 10x programmer, 100x, you know, brilliant programmers that writes brilliant codes is coming to an end as well. I have had many discussions about this and uh, come to the conclusion that I always tell the brilliant programmers that if you can write codes that more optimized than the compilers can do. Could you please join the compiler project with the likes of GCC or OpenJDK so that the compiler can compile beautiful machine codes while more 1x developer can write codes that's fit for business. Back to your earlier point, uh, Steve, yes, creativity or machines will possess creativity to a certain age, maybe seven years old, um, which is much more creative than adults with the current linear AI approach. However, I believe true intelligence will be only achievable with quantum neural network. You uh, You can imagine the current AI approach is basically increasing things in parallel. So you keep on adding machines, 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 machines. Those wouldn't give you the exponential growth of intelligence. It'll give you additive growth, but with quantum computing, growing curve will be exponential or actually factorial.
1: Got it. I don't want to get into the argument about DevSecOps versus DevOps, because I think we probably totally agree there because, but the idea that it would go away and because some people would argue just generally about what DevOps represents. Does it represent people writing code or does it represent creating intelligent feedback loops so that the end customer requirements are met sooner with less disruption uh, and the collaboration of the creation of the environments within which code runs in tandem with the code itself so that there's less siloing and more, more information flow. That, is that something also, in addition to just writing code, but that entire process and culture, is that possible to be replaced by AI or quantum AI?
0: Content AI, definitely, because um, it will mimic human or true intelligence. Uh, let's go on to DevOps, right? DevOps is a spirit. Um, and the CI, CD pipeline happens to be the methodology that delivers DevOps. I mean, if we have other methods of delivering, we can. So DevOps simply means writing software that's fit for operation. You can have waterfall DevOps. As long as that target, that spirit is met. Yes, a lot of vendors, a lot of people think DevOps is CI C D pipeline. No, it's one way of achieving CI C D pipeline. The spirit of writing software that's fit for operation can be achieved with a continuous feedback loop and shortening the feedback loops, but it can also make or make possible by user directly filling in the question or the answers and an ai reads it and then make improvements
1: the idea of a quantum neural network ai looking at the way we release software now as a learning exercise they might throw the entire CI/CD pipeline as a method they might just throw the whole thing away there yes. might be a way that it conceives of that allows the creation slash testing slash deployment to almost be happening in a simultaneous manner such that the idea of a pipeline is no longer even required and it's just a method that we're not even at yet
0: yes i think what you what you're alluding to which um, i agree is real-time personalized individualized software delivery and remember this is a quantum AI, not even today's linear model that takes time to chill and wrong and all that stuff. Mm. In a sense, why do we call it quantum AI? We we'll just call it intelligence. There's nothing mm. artificial about it. And uh, the only thing we need to worry about really is what to do with our spare time or if we are obsolete, which it may very well happen. Uh, but back to your earlier point, Yes, imagine a piece of software that's responding to you with immediate response. Um, I'm sure all the Star Trek fans would agree that um, the onboard computer would just do what you want and understand you. There is no list of manuals for such an computer, or at least not on uh, Star Trek Discovery, the new one. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> but that is kind of where I was going, because if, the, if there was a way that... Uh, the software required to serve my needs could be actually the, the product manager would, it would inadvertently be me simply based on my behavior and my requirements, and that would be fed back and the software would be changed and released, tested and be deployed almost as fast as I could need it.
0: Yes. There's always this thing called real time. And I often ask a question how real-time do you want to be? Are we talking about nanosecond, femtosecond? There's actually no such thing as immediate because, well, mm. it's a second later. Uh, it's a very similar concept in database uh, where the ACID compliance as well. So there's no such thing as real-time.
1: Yeah, I, that's, I, my history, I started off in what was real-time. And I was often told the definition of real-time was down to perception. If if I feel like it happened now, that's real time. And the requirements for real time are only down to the recipient.
0: That's very accurate.
1: That, I think that's kind of interesting. So I, I just want to get to this final section on our, redu- our human redundancy or our uh, ability to our spare time. If we're either redundant or we're looking for things to do in our spare time, how does that affect sort of the current economic model of grow up, go to university, get smart job, uh, make money, spend money, have very little free time.
0: Right. Uh, that I would point you to two great authors. One is Warren Buffett's partner called Charlie Munger, who evangelized, what he calls expert general, meaning becoming an expert very quickly in almost all things you want to do. Because of your passion, and then the other one is um, the UCL uh, director of public policy and innovation, where she evangelized Day, uh, Her name is Mariana Mazacato, and she's been lobbying with the EU and alike, thinking about how to build back better, and. That echoes your observation about the current capitalism model, which unfortunately I personally know a quantum physicist with an impact factor of 12, which is pretty high. Uh, After he did a few years of research uh, in Belfast, now he works for Citibank in the cloud computing Hmm. team, solving, in my opinion, trivial cloud problems instead of furthering quantum computing, quantum teleportation. For example, quantum teleportation will definitely solve almost all our genetic defects, remove tumors. Mm-hmm. We will probably be dead before we see it, unfortunately. So we need to build by better and uh, we need to be able to not be afraid of diversity. Uh, capitalism is not evil. Communism is not evil either. It is the execution that turned them into unsuitable choices.
1: So that kind of took a left turn at the end there.
0: Oh, uh, (laughs) yes. Okay. I often say I'm pessimistically optimistic in the morning and uh, optimistically pessimistic in the afternoon. So it (laughs) really depends on the time of the day. And uh, for the fan that did watch Prometheus, Part of the Alien Trilogy. You would remember the scene of a pale alien after waving goodbye to the starship on this barren planet, Prometheus I presume that's called. Um, he drank some DNA destroying water so that his failed experiment being terminated. If you draw that with our current pandemic, I believe it's trying to nudge us into well, trying to nudge these failing experiments codes and humanity.
1: We're, we're getting dark and, yet, and deep and yet kind of actually more interesting now. It's funny what you said about the idea that the um, quantum teleportation, being yes. able to uh, cure cancer or fix genetic defects, um, that would create a whole slew of other major population issues If if somehow we were able to just fix and sustain humanity, which has kind of been part of a lot of the problems <laughs> with <laughs> with with Earth, almost all the problems actually, um, up until now. So yeah, that would, it, it sounds like we're in a bit of a, I don't know, a, we have an opportunity for a good scenario, but a lot of opportunities for a bit of a lose lose scenario there.
0: Ah, you, f- you you forgot the fact that content, content teleportation allows you travel space. Now, obviously, We probably will never see that in our own lifetime. But let me tell you, um, I have already confirmed. You and I both know plants makes oxygen by turning CO2, right? That's called photosynthesis. I've also confirmed, and it's actually published paper, that um, in Israel, a scientist changed the gene of plants to produce hydrogen. So you have hydrogen and oxygen, you burn hydrogen, which gives you energy, and then you get water. We actually have all the elements we need for space travel or living on the moon right now, currently. The only reason we are not doing that is because it costs more money, which is the problem. And remember this little known guy called Elon said, the reason why you want to have all this money, which is our resources, is so that humanity can propel slightly more or quicker than Before he dies, basically, that's what he, I believe what he meant. And uh, once you remove money, which is supposed to be the facilitator, not the end, it's a means to an end, not the end itself. By the way, coding is that as well. Um, If you remove money, we are talking about energies and sustainability. And as long as we can sustain, because plants are sustainable, as you know, they grow. why are we not traveling through space right now? We could, technically possible.
1: And you think that's part of Elon Musk's or the, uh, interest in his own, well, also having his own space program in addition to his open AI, in addition to, well, other things he does?
0: Yes. Uh, I, would, I would actually say Elon is probably an expert general by Charlie Munger's um, definition, because look, he can understand. AI to a certain extent, obviously, you can understand solar, you can understand, uh, you know, space and uh, self-driving cars. If you look at what NASA did for 50 years versus what SpaceX did in 20 years using startup mentality, you'll see a huge difference and uh, changing the mindset is the hardest to do yet bears uh, everlasting fruit.
1: Amazing. And then when quantum neural network AI takes over Elon Musk's business, even quicker?
0: Well, you see, the whole point of worry being obsolete is unfounded. Um, let's say for argument's sake, there's there are aliens, or things that's not human, but smarter than us, and more advanced. Sure. Um, we wouldn't be able to understand their beliefs or why they are doing it. Similarly, when if we let quantum AI grow and it will become a different superior, um, superior is the relative term, a different intelligence, then quantum major decide to leave us alone. uh, (laughs) And then we are back to our original problem. However, I believe uh, out of its own if it will try to help human, that's the hope.
1: That that is a great hope um, to potentially end on. Uh, have you ever considered writing a book uh, yes. along these lines, whether it be serious or whether it be uh, a Douglas Adams style? Uh,
0: uh, yes, I mean. I think you're probably uh,
1: capable of either one.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, but the question is. Do I want to write a book that uh, you know people read or people don't read? Or do I want to play Minecraft with my children? That is actually my tough choice. Uh, in the spirit of making the world a better place for my child, perhaps I should write that book. So that's why I started blogging only once a month, uh, out of a challenge from a good friend from OWASP who said, Alvin, what's common sense to you is not common for a lot of people. So I'm now simultaneously publishing my blogs on Medium, LinkedIn, and again, a blockchain called Steam, fronted by a website called Steamit.com. And once you blog there, it's there. It's just like a blockchain that lives forever.
1: Uh, Was there anything else that uh, we were hoping to talk about today that I have forgotten to ask you about? Coding
0: is a means to an end, but not the end itself. So if you meet someone who really believes writing beautiful code is a human requirement, then you should probably run away because no matter how good you think you are, a compiler is always going to be better than you. Because it is. And if you write codes that the compiler doesn't agree with, it'll just give you error. So why are you trying to fight a hopeless fight? Write human, write readable codes, not those one-line competition thing, which only the compiler can read. Then what's the point?
1: Actually, that's great. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I'd had that mm-hmm. quote. Uh, When I used to work at, well, you were, you were, you were, you were finding out that I used when I used to work at Synopsys because uh, we had a static analysis tool and there were people who would challenge the ability to find quality or security things in an automated fashion by writing these insanely complicated C++ (laughs) lines that, that the, it just could not (laughs) make heads or tails of.
0: Okay. I did write C++ compilers, okay? And remember, computers, until we have true intelligence, are dumb. So, it will only accept codes in certain manner. And I think, last but not least, all the bugs is caused by you, the human, not the computers. Never blame a computer. Unless it's floating-point precision, then yes, you can potentially blame the bugs in the cpu or the gpu but again the library written to convert your code or your calculation into computer instructions was written by human so in so far all i'm going to say is until true ai comes it's always human that's wrote something wrong
1: this is going to be handy so all the uh for anybody listening to that particular bit i put everything in the notes so Alvin can send me any of the things and references he's gotten. If you forget, I'll remind you at the end of this and say, send me all these links so people can then go find you. They can go look at some of the things you've referenced. I could stick the Wikipedia for GPT-3 up so you could read on what it is. And of course, open AI and things like that. So all of the different things you're talking about, Alvin, are going to hopefully be the next 11 tabs in somebody's mobile device off the back of this podcast. Whoa. So the world, will, the world will be educated. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CozyCast, the Continuous Security Podcast. I've been your host, Steve Jagger. Big thanks to my guest, Alvin Chang. I will see you next time.